This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Charlie, this is the first in a mini-series that we're doing. And every episode for the next four episodes, we are going to be tackling the subject of anthems. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. What makes a song an anthem? What makes a song the one that a whole stadium or arena of people can sing as one? A song that soundtracks our public life. And I want to start with the song that is literally the first thing I think of when I hear the word anthem. That's the one. We are the champions by Queen. I want to spend the rest of this episode trying to understand the musical features that make this track so anthemic that 40 years after it came out, people are still chanting this at stadiums and arenas and street corners around the world. You know, for a song about being a champion, Charlie, this track starts in kind of a sad place. It totally does. I've paid my dues Time after time I've done my sentence But committed no crime I've paid my dues I've paid my sentence but committed no crimes It's Yeah, this is heavy stuff And it's surprising until you think about this is a song about being a champion. What do champions do? They have to overcome hardship. Oh, so we have to start somewhere low. Like we've got to build from somewhere. So check this. Part of the beauty of this song, part of what makes it so anthemic is this harmonic journey the song takes from darkness to light, Hmm. from struggle to victory. Oh, yeah. So we begin with this minor sonority, specifically C minor. And Charlie, we have to work to get from C minor, where we start the song, Mm -hmm. to F major, which is where the chorus kicks in. Ah, okay. You know, this is like working your way up the field if you're a football team or something. So we start in in C minor here, and we're going to gain some yards. We're going to move the ball (laughs) up the field. We're going to push forward to a major key, to the relative major of C minor. That's E flat major. And you can hear it about halfway through the first verse. Things take a turn a little more hopeful. And bad mistakes. I've made a few. I've had my So he's flipped the script from the sad minor key. 
using the same notes in the same scale to what you call the relative major. Yeah. Moving upwards into C, D, E flat. Very mm-hmm. nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it, it is a little more of a hopeful turn. Totally. This is progress, but we're not there yet, Charlie. Oh, no, there's yards to go. We have not reached championship status. And this is like one of the most exciting parts of the song and kind of a a set of sonorities that really define Queen, the band. Mm -hmm. We're going to have this build, this crescendo. We're going to have all these different voices sounding at once. And by the time we're done, we're going to emerge in a new place and it's going to be the chorus. It's going to be a new key. Just check this out. Wait a minute, you're saying to me that they've actually modulated into a new key? Ding, ding, ding. We just modulated, Charlie. Wait, we changed the key. I've never noticed this. I've heard yeah. this song so many times in my life. I've never even noticed that it. We've we actually move upwards into a whole new key. Because it's very in your face, but also very subtle the way they do it. If oh. we just listen to that part where it goes on and on and on. So there's three yeah. on and ons. And then the last, yeah. the fourth on and, and on. We actually push the whole thing up a whole step, and that becomes kind of the pivot that takes us to the chorus. We'll play it again. It's that fourth on that is like the... I mean, it's, again, this metaphor of strength feels really applicable here to me. It's like you're forcing it to get to this new key and it takes work and effort. I can imagine almost like someone who's trying to like deadlift some weight, right? And they're Mm. like pushing and they're like pushing and then all of a sudden there's that boom and it explodes and it explodes up a whole nother key and they've thrown the weight (laughs) over their head and they are, they've won. They've they've won won the medal. And what is your reward? It is this soaring chorus. I mean, brilliant use of the first person plural in this Mm. song. If you listen to a lot of pop music like we do, you notice that a lot of songs start with I. Yeah, it's It's, all about me. It's all about me. But this is an exception, and it's a and it's a smart strategic exception that is part of what makes this song anthemic. It's not me. It's It's us. It's we. (laughs) And man, when this chorus hits, we are just transported, right? It's the quality of the melody. It's the quality of Freddie Mercury's voice ascending into his falsetto range. Mm. I mean, it just sweeps you up. It feels like, yeah, this is your payoff. This is what you've you've made it this far. You've modulated to this key. You have earned this vocal. And they really have all done it together because it's not just Freddie. It's 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 Queen singing together in harmony, boosting us into that new space. We've all done it together. And I love that even when he's singing here in the chorus one of the best singers mm. in rock and roll of all time, you don't feel scared to sing along. Yeah. Right? Not only is he inviting us with the use of the first-person plural, but he has this way of, like, scooping into his notes, yeah. which is something that you're often discouraged from doing if mm. you're, like, a operatic singer. You just, like, hit the note, yeah. get it perfect, but he's doing this, like, what? Right? And and because, because he's scooping into his notes, it's almost a, a, a more... How do I say democratic like, kind democratic of, way yeah. of singing? Yeah, yeah it's totally. like we can all scoop with him together. You don't have to have perfect pitch. We're gonna swoop into that note. You're gonna hit it. It's gonna be great. And we'll keep on fighting till the end. 
I love that you said that. I want to come back to the sing-along aspect. But before we do, you know, we've talked a lot about harmony, and I feel like that's also really applicable here. These are some great chord changes in the chorus. And you know how I know that? You know how I know they're so good? Because (laughs) Freddie Mercury on their next album actually reuses this exact chord progression. Shut the front door. For the song, Don't Stop Me Now. Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. F major, A minor, D minor. (laughs) It's the same thing. And to prove this, I've just made a very simple recording of these chord progressions. We are the champions, my friend. Same chord progression. Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Charlie, a little less applause, please. I can't even hear myself think. (laughs) What's funny here is it's not only the chord progression, which is the same, but it's the entire movement of the song and the melody, right? Mm. Starting in the lower register of the voice, moving up, rising up, building the tension, and you can feel both songs are going to skyrocket into another territory. Charlie, will you indulge me? Will you sing? Do I have a choice? Will you sing We Are the Champions while I sing Sure, yeah. Don't Stop Me Now yeah. at the same time? We can do that. Good man. Tonight we I'm going to have the champions. A real my good friend. Time. I feel alive. Keep on fighting. How's the next part go? Now, you'll notice that there was something a little weird there. Mm -hmm. Our parts didn't really line up. Yeah, there was a weird moment there. I was like, where's my pitch? I I lost it. Okay, this is definitely an aside, Mm -hmm. but I just have to point this out because Queen is just so crazy. They do something really strange Mm -hmm. and don't stop me now. They Mm -hmm. use five measure phrases which we don't need to get into, but that is just really weird considering Whoa. that 99.9% of pop music is in four, two, four, eight bar phrases. Yeah. Five bar phrases. Queen is crazy. Okay, so we've made it to this anthemic chorus with the set of chord changes that is the gift that keeps on giving. But then we get to the end of the chorus. And just like we started, we're going to go right back to that more melancholic place. That piano that kind of slinks in there, Mm. that's not major anymore. That's minor. We've gone back to our starting minor key. So we got to do it all over again, Charlie. We got to work our way up through that minor verse into that soaring major chorus. You know, isn't that the way that struggle really works? It's not just once we overcome it and we win. There's lulls. We go back down. We have to keep on fighting. That's true. But then when you do get to that second chorus, Mm. you've made it. Because check it out. We just heard what happened at the end of the first chorus. He holds that note of the world Mm -hmm. and the minor piano kind of slinks in underneath. The second time, we're just going to keep soaring through. Don't even worry about it. Oh my gosh. 
There are so many notable <laughs> things that are happening here. Right. And I'm glad you said that because this whole discussion needs a big asterisk, which is like, even after talking about this song for 40 minutes, we will have only scratched the surface of everything oh, yeah. going on here. Well, that's that's what I always look for in any great pop composition is that on first listen, you're like, yep, I want to hear this forever. And then on the forever th- listen, you're like, I have to hear that again because I heard something new. Yeah. And that might be another element of an anthem, something that rewards repeated listening because you can always discover something you haven't heard before. I mean, here, I all of a sudden was like, oh, this whole song is also in the background referencing the entire history of rock and roll music. And I never (laughs) noticed that. Queen is one of those bands that satisfies both the masses and the music nerds at the same time. (laughs) Who would those be? I can't even imagine, Charlie. I I guess I'll, I'll never know. So... We've been talking about like struggle, victory, and it just seems like I've I've just kind of made it seem like we finally made it to victory and we just kind of get to ride this major wave all the way home. But that's not entirely true because the ending of the original recording of the song is kind of it's it's surprisingly ambiguous. Whoa. Right. Remember what I was saying about how in order to win something, there are often many ups and downs. Like yeah. l- life doesn't work like a movie where I just like things climax, you're done, you win, <laughs> everybody's happy right up into the sunset. It's like yeah. after the sunset, there's another day, there's another struggle. And I feel like that's in the song in terms of just coming back to that verse. And then as you pointed out, mm. when after the second verse and that chorus, the chorus just flies through. You yeah. keep getting more chorus. You stay in that high, beautiful major key. And then at the end, it ends unresolved. Un- like Totally unresolved. What's yeah. going to happen next? When I heard this, I was like, wait, that's how that song ends? <laughs> like that, It did not compute with the rest of it. But this isn't the end of the story, actually, because this is one version of this song. Mm-hmm. But there's others. Like, for instance, let's see how they ended it in the original recording session. So what we're about to listen to is like the raw studio version of this song as they first laid it down in 1978. Whoa. Whoa. No, you can't change things which have been so thoroughly reified in my mind. Yeah. They end on the minor. Yeah. And so like they descending do... down the, the, the piano. Like, it, yeah, it holds. Yeah. I almost think that they're going to be like, of the world. One last time. <laughs> you're like, okay, we're good. And instead, yeah. no, he just like arpeggiates down the piano to lower, 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 sad, dom, and that dink. <laughs> it does resolve. But to a minor chord. Yeah. So it's like, oh, wait, that's I don't want that porridge either, Charlie, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> but don't worry, I have one more. Uh, I have one more ending for you. And this is uh, the ending from the famous uh, Live Aid concert at Wembley, mm-hmm. 1985. Check this out. That is the ending that I wanted. That's a resolution. Yeah. And it's a major resolution. And it's decisive. 
what this teaches me is that this song is is malleable and it's flexible and you can end this song in different ways mm-hmm. that will be the best suited for the occasion you know like what what kind of mood do you want to end this mm. song on it's kind of a choose your own adventure this makes me think of if you take this back to where it's sort of meant for in today's world as an anthem in a stadium mm. perhaps a sports game yeah it's like you could imagine you might want the unresolved version if you're in like game three of an ongoing series right <laughs> okay I'm with champion you. of the game yeah not the series you might want, you know, if, if you have the, the like the expected winner has an mm. upset and loses, yeah. you could have that minor ending. <laughs> and of course, if you have won the series, then you want the, the final yeah. resolve and everything ends on a happy major key. I love that. There's so many ways that We Are the Champions reaches this anthemic status and this harmonic journey we've been talking about. This struggle from darkness to light is a huge part of it, but it's not the only thing because Freddie Mercury is a clever lad. And he has borrowed from the original stadium rock in order to compose this tune. I'm talking, of course, about opera. opera. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, Charlie, before we dig into the operatic stadium rock roots of this piece, Mm -hmm. let's think about where it came from. It was composed as a companion piece to another Queen hit, We Will Rock You. And both songs share a common goal, I think, which is something you mentioned earlier, getting people to sing along. Yeah. But they do it in very different ways because We Will Rock You does not present a a high barrier to entry. Very low barrier to entry. This was discussed actually in the film Bohemian Rhapsody. Right, right. You see Brian May realizing that this is something that anyone can participate in let's keep it simple let's keep it snappy literally use your feet and hands as instruments but i think that freddie mercury after years of performing live started to understand that his audiences were capable of more here's a clip from one of his famous call and response sessions with an audience okay everybody let's play games huh I said, hey, 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 hey. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. That is hot. I want more of that. You're going to get some. So it starts, you know, I don't know, not particularly impressive, I think, but it's gonna, he's going to ratchet up the difficulty as he goes along. And there's actually this great part in this call and response session mm. where he actually says, all right, now we're going to sing some Aretha Franklin. Sing like Aretha Franklin. Come on. Yeah, 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 ye
How about that melisma? That's 10,000 people rocking those melismas with him and just like following his every little melodic flourish. Amazing. Mm. And I suspect that Freddie Mercury was doing this on stage and started thinking, you know, if these crowds can sing Aretha Franklin with me, maybe they could sing some opera with me as well. <laughs> now, I spent so much time trying to figure out exactly what Freddie Mercury's relationship to opera was like. Yeah. And there's not a ton of, of sources, unfortunately. But what I do know from reading his official biography is that he attended the Puccini opera Tosca and fell in love with its star, Maria Callas, the amazing soprano, especially her performance of the aria Visi d'Arte, Visi d'Amore. Nate, I'm impressed with your Italian. I thought it was very nice. Although I'm even more impressed with her vibrato. Yes. Oh, my. And that's exactly what we want to start talking about here. The vibrato, this incredibly recognizable technique of making your voice kind of pulse between two different frequencies. You know, I'm realizing it's easy to hear, but hard to understand, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Hard to describe, I should sure. say. Let's fast forward to another section of this aria where you can really hear the vibrato. It almost sound like Maria Collis's voice is like wobbling back and forth. I don't understand it's what I just insane. heard. I know. The vocal control is out of this world. She's yeah. wobbling between notes, but in absolute perfect, the, just, the, just the right way. Yeah. And then to hit those high notes and then to have that controlled vibrato in the mm. such quiet moments. Yeah. Are you breathing? Are you a human? It's How does she do that? I, I don't know. It's 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 mind blowing. But you, I think you can hear why opera singers favor this technique. There's so much power behind yeah. it, and that might be the exact same reason that we can hear Freddie Mercury using vibrato at some key moments in "We Are the Champions." We are the champions. We are the champions. So on this a cappella recording of the song with just his vocal tracks isolated, I think we can even focus in on just one word, the the world that he holds out. Mm. You'll hear him start with this intense vibrato that's kind of wobbling back and forth really quickly, and then it'll kind of smooth out as he holds the note longer. All the it's particularly remarkable to me that this song, now you said 40 years old. Yeah. I can't believe it's that been yeah. that long. Um, is still so popular in the cultural imagination, mm. especially in using this operatic technique of vibrato, yeah. which is not popular in pop music today. No, it's not. I mean, if we listen to a massive pop smash like fireworks by Katy Perry yeah. I challenge you to, to locate any vibrato in this piece Make him go and 
I heard for one second a little okay, wobble I, for just a moment on no, work. You're right. I, Maybe. I think I, I overstated it. It's Let's say it's very rare in yeah. pop music. I mean, this is all about the ah, ah, ah. As you shoot across the sky. Do you have a theory about this? Because I do. Uh, you're making one. <laughs> I'm watching you. A, a theory might be a strong word. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you kick it off, Charles? I think that the decline of vibrato has to do with the changes of cultural expectations created by recording technology. Mm. That vibrato, as you pointed out in opera, is this technique of great vocal power. Mm. You have to be heard in a giant opera house and you need to push your volume as much as possible. And that's one of the ways of creating vibrato with your voice is to actually get as much volume, as much air moving as possible. And it will naturally move your diaphragm and create that sound. But uh, once people could start singing into microphones, I think that that form of projecting was no longer needed. Mm. You could croon quietly into a microphone. And I think that there's sort of this thought that singing in that old style is forced and inauthentic and so instead what we need now is something which sounds like anybody would just like get on a microphone and we're just talking and we're just, yeah. you know, shooting the breeze like a podcast like you're making a podcast <laughs> it's just like two people having a conversation they never even thought about it before they got together and i think that's why when Katy perry implores us here to sing along to fireworks yeah. to these long held out notes that feel like you and i might do if we're just singing because well, at least me i don't i don't have a, a yeah, yeah. vibrato no, no, I, I, fi- I find that to be a very compelling theory. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I think when we do hear vibrato in pop music, it tends to be at the end of syllables. Like, here's, here's what I mean. Check out this recording of uh, Ariana Grande singing Dangerous Woman a cappella. Don't need permission, make my decision to test my limits. Cause it's my business, God has my witness. Stop what I finish. Don't need no hope. Yeah. Now you notice at the end of each of those high notes, her voice goes from straight to kind of wobbly. Can we play that one more time? Stop what I finish. Don't need no At the very end of the note, she introduces a little bit of vibrato, which is actually exactly the opposite of what Freddie Mercury is doing on We Are the Champions. If we go back to that one word, world, he starts with intense vibrato and then gradually flattens it out. So I think, like you were saying, he's trying to create this forcefulness that will outlast this song and outlast his moment even. And mm. I think very presciently he's he's done that. I mean, this has stood the test of time. Yeah. There's other operatic elements at play here that I think make this song really, <laughs> really successful. And one is something called a cadenza. Ooh, a cadenza. And not a credenza. <laughs> <laughs> but a cadenza, C-A-D-E-N-Z-A. Charlie, what's a cadenza? Ooh. Ooh, putting you on the spot. I haven't answered this question since, since junior year of college on the Music 55 final. I was I was a freshman. I was ahead of my time. 
Good. Hold on to that because you're going to need that little burst of confidence after you brutally fail this. The cadenza is the the little sort of improvised flourish at the held out end of a song where a solo performer gets to show off their talents. You, God damn it, Charlie, you nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. Exactly. A cadenza is the very end of an aria. The whole orchestra will pause for a moment and let the singer have this solo moment to really showcase their virtuosity. And that's what we've just been listening to. Every time Freddie Mercury says, of the world, that's like mm. a little cadenza. Mm. And it makes me feel like even the Ariana clip that you played, that little bit of vibrato at the end, even though it's not as popular today, it's yeah. almost her doing that to show like, yeah, I'm a diva. Yeah. I, I've got all the technique. I'm just totally. going to give you just a little taste of it. It's a mini, like a, a, a nano cadenza. Yeah, just a little a nano cadenza, <laughs> though I will say... If you expand the Queen repertoire, you mm. can find some, not nano cadenzas, some like truly bravissimo <laughs> cadenzas. Check out this live performance of Somebody to Love. We have a pause. Somebody to love. A virtuosic solo. And then the orchestra returns. That is hot stuff. I did not get to study that in college. Finally, Charles, there is the crescendo. Mm. The third of our Italian triumvirate here. Crescendo, you know this one. Crescendo. So that's not the thing at the end of your bed. I hate, I just hate hearing that. I really do. It's like the little sofa you put at the end of a bed in not a fancy hotel. It, not making it better. Crescendo. Um, it's the way that you shush a colicking baby to sleep. This is the saddest moment of my life. This is I'm this is you. this is the nadir. I'm you. This is as bleak as it gets. A crescendo is the is a moment uh, where all the things get louder and bigger and bolder and and climax at the highest point, right? Just like the build up to the chorus of "We Are the Champions." That is the part of the song that when I heard it again at the beginning of our recording, it's just yeah. like, wait, what kind yeah. of song is this? Where, what world are they operating in? Yeah. They're operating an opera. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like there's so many examples of this, but I just have to reference one from another opera that I just feel in my heart that Freddie Mercury had to have seen and loved. It's Mozart's Don Giovanni. This is from the act two finale. This just shows how much of a genius he really was. Because I think oftentimes 
creative brilliance comes from taking something from an entirely other domain, merging it into uh, your core domain. So yeah. here, I never had really heard that intense rock guitar and wild drumming as at all related to opera. Yeah. And you play them back to back, and it's like, you could almost imagine him sitting next down to a record and be like, oh, I'm going to learn how to turn this into rock and roll. Totally. And I think going back to the sort of anthemic status of this piece, hmm. it's it's all those elements working together that, that makes this a song that just is something you want to hear over and over again. And not only that, something you want to sing along to. When, you know, 60,000 people are singing this in a stadium, they are actually all singing a little bit of opera, whether they know it or not. <laughs> what great drama that's happening in sports stadiums all over the world Abs all the time absolutely I mean, uh, and you're right opera is the you know the most dramatic genre of music there is so it makes sense that it would play well at you know a stadium or some other huge event i feel so enlightened elated delighted this has been really fun and it's just the beginning charlie because for the next three weeks every episode is going to explore another classic anthem to understand why it is the soundtrack of our lives see you then this episode of switched on pop was produced by Mio nate sloan <laughs> and many of our friendos uh, our mixer and editor is Brandon McFarland. Our producer is Bridget Armstrong. And Nishat Karwa and Liz Nelson are our executive producers. We're a production of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find more episodes at Spotify, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, App, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, there we are. And talk to us on social media at Switched on Pop. We are on Twitter, Instagram. We'd love getting your show recommendations. I'd love to hear what anthems are you listening to? So tune in next week for another anthemic breakdown. And until then, thanks, thanks for, listening. for listening. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.